Hey Pelicans fans, welcome back to the Protecting Nest podcast. I hope y'all are following the series I did on Forbes looking at inside the team's marketing and how they were doing. We got a special guest with us today, Mark Ratchford, a marketing professor over at Tulane, but also a Pelican season ticket holder, and he's here to give us even some more insight and some knowledge on that. So Mark, first, appreciate you giving us some that insight and knowledge for the for the article, and thanks for coming in to protect the nest today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, to get right into it, I guess to, to put you on the spot, I know we were just talking a little bit about how the team was going and the players, but with those articles, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you read the team's responses, and I want to get your thoughts on what, what you took away from their quotes and if it satisfied and made you a little bit more content with this team. You know, I did. I, 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 yeah, obviously I read your uh, the, the responses from the team, um, and uh, I, I forget who it was Ben, I guess, was – uh, you know, I think gave you quite a few quotes. A um, couple of things that resonated with me, and just just kind of speaking off the cuff here, uh, I think one right, he, he had referenced that there was a uh, something like an 80, uh, 80 something percent response rate from the season ticket holders, indicating uh, that they would recommend games, you know, to uh, to to kind of their fellow fans. And, I, you know, I thought he was interpreting that as a positive, and I, I got to be quite honest, I wasn't so sure that, you know, 80-something percent as, as a, you know, as a figure was actually a net positive. Uh, I, I, you know, I didn't know how to evaluate that, but, I, I you know, in my mind, I kept thinking, geez, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you want that number to be, you know, high 90s, right, where, you know, the vast majority of fans said that they would recommend games, um, you know, kind of to, to their fellow fans. Um, right, that means think, one out of five Pelicans fans, you know, one uh, one out of every four and a half, they, they might be out there dogging the Pelicans, and that's going to do a lot more damage than the goodwill of, you know, Pelicans fans going out. And, and they, it was in the quote saying, well, this word of mouth is going to almost not replace the marketing but do more work. And I'm not sure that's the case if you've got four out there saying good things, but somebody, the loud one, they always get that attention. That's exactly it, right? So that's my read, you know, and so, sort of from a research perspective, right, you you know, you, you need a comparative baseline, right? And so, you, you know, I don't know how to interpret 80% unless I know, you know, sort of what, what, what other, other organizations, right, would, you know, if they did the same sort of research, what their numbers would look like. I'm just going by gut instinct, but I, yeah, I would expect that number to be higher, quite honestly, right? Um, I would think your your most ardent fans, right? Your sort of evangelical type fans who are, you know, touting you know the team and the you know the events, right? Would be your season ticket holders, and I would expect you know a, a really really large percentage of them uh, to be out there telling others you know that they should attend games. Um, that wasn't the I response know, I saw. Again, I don't know how to interpret it, right? Right. That wasn't the response I saw. There's a lot on Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, and otherwise where people, even with tickets, aren't coming to games, aren't renewing tickets, looking at how the the attendance has been dwindling. You know, looking at that OK City game, that, that I'll let you speak to it because that was the first game I missed this year. But it, it just seems like if the word of mouth was that good and there was these open tickets from season ticket holders and somebody couldn't make it, you'd be able to wrangle somebody else in to replace that seat. And it just doesn't seem like that's happening. You know, I you know I can't speak for everyone else, right? Just kind of you know, all I can uh, attest to is my own experiences. I personally, you know, I have two tickets, and I, I struggle to find people to come with me. Um, and you know, even if I say, "Hey, I've got a free ticket," you know, who wants to come to the game? Uh, I, so few people I know here, uh, and you know, I live uptown, uh, but they're just not really engaged with the team. They don't really know the players. Um, they're, you know, they haven't really been to games, um, uh, 
you know, I, they're not really buying merchandise. Um, and, you know, I think if you put your pair of tickets up for sale, and perhaps this is what I'm seeing online, I mean, I just don't see a lot of demand for them. Um, and I think when you come to the arena, you know, and there's there's really not that many fans there, I don't doubt that the paid attendance, right, is much higher, you know, than, than the number who um, you actually see in the arena. But I wonder, right, if the folks are, you know, trying to sell their tickets, you know, season ticket holders, and there's just no demand. Uh, I've got seats. tickets for a dollar, and even if you get a dollar ticket or free tickets, you know, the dollar ticket on SeatGeek, you're going to pay $8 in fees and taxes. But you're still, if you get a beer and a drink and something to eat, in the game just for each half you're looking at anywhere between 25 and 50 bucks easily yeah easily that's a that's a tough sell for people who don't know if they're going to enjoy themselves and they're going to be sitting in a cavern it's a tough sell you know and um i don't i don't want to bounce around too much right but you know obviously i'm a big fan and uh, I, I try and watch every game, right? I try and catch them on television. Um, believe it or not, I, I have uh, <laughs> uh, Cox Cable. Like, I, a lo- large reason why I have Cox Cable is uh, simply to get the Pelicans game, right? Because a lot of folks aren't able to get Bally, Bally Sports. Uh, I'm actually paying all this money for cable just to watch the games, but, like, I, I don't know too many people who tune into the games like myself. Like, I, uh, pretty much none of my, my friends are, are all that interested in the Pels. Right, you can see if you follow it on Twitter, especially road games, people are trying to engage there. That's kind of like our community and our watch parties. We have the spaces that Chris Connor runs, great stuff that he's doing over there. But bringing that together and then getting getting just the word out so people are excited about this team. You say you're uptown. How much do you really see from the Pelicans uptown? I don't see too much. I you know I'm hard pressed to think of any advertising I've seen from the team. Uh, although I think this week I did see a targeted Facebook ad, uh, but you know otherwise you know other forms of advertising, um, you know be a billboard, right, uh, television ads, etc. I'm quite honestly I can't remember seeing anything. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's not ads out there. I just personally I don't really recall uh, seeing any. Right, and, and you're talking uptown. I've got a bunch of messages on Twitter. I'll drop this in real quick. Someone had asked about the North Shore. And I've never specifically asked about the North Shore. I've just kind of been open-ended with my questions, so to speak, so that they could tell me how they were expanding the brand, expanding marketing, trying to bring in more people. But I've never heard the word North Shore from anyone at the Pelicans or Saints uh, when when I've dealt with them for public relations. So I don't know what they're doing on that end because that's only 30, 40 minutes up the road, and there are fans up there. It is, and, you know, I... I I tend to think of, you know, maybe a half hour in any direction, right, as being, you know, sort of a draw for in-person uh, fans, you know, especially for weeknight games, right? I don't think you're going to draw people from, from much further than that. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I struggle. I think I found my tickets on my own. You know, I'm such a sports fan. I, you know, I sought out the team, right? I found my own seats. Uh, I, I wasn't sold on anything. Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I went to the website, just found some seats that were available, um, bought my own season tickets. But, um, yeah, I mean, that outreach, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sure it's there, right? And, you know, it's hard for me to speak to anything other than my own experience. But, um, um, you know, it's kind of – rarely do I hear from my ticket rep, you know. Um, well, you brought did, up the uh, concession stand. <laughs> or your concession gift card like they're slow to respond on some of the benefits that should have been there you know on day one night one when this team was zero and zero they didn't have a they were 500 record and the fans weren't quite there and some of the the outreach from the ticket reps and 
the marketing people just weren't there, so you had that money to spend on opening night to buy merch and do whatever. Yeah, and I think that was something I mentioned in your article, right? And so the team, I, and I loved what the team did. I think they got feedback from, you know, several people who said, gee, you know, we would like uh, something, whatever you're going to call it, right? Some sort of gift card, right? But something based on, uh, the, you know, the amount of money that you're spending over the team, on the team over the years, right? Um, just give us something. Give us a stadium, uh, like a concession, you know, voucher, a gift card, whatever it might be, um, you know, be it applied to either merchandise or uh, food sales, beer sales, that sort of thing. Uh, the team actually responded, and I thought that was great, right? And so uh, I don't know, you know, I, I assume people got varying amounts kind of based on where their tickets were, um, you know, kind of where they full season, half season, etc. But um, I for sure did not get the concession voucher that I was promised. And if I recall, I think it was opening night, I was asking the folks in the club lounge, I was asking the bartenders there, I said, do you guys know anything about this? And the bartenders said, well, it's our understanding that they, they just didn't give that incentive out to people. Um, and to this day, I still have heard nothing from the team. I don't know if that's actually still going to come, um, if, you know, for financial reasons, they canceled it. Uh, but, you know, I, I, to me, you can't really promise that as something that's forthcoming and then not send it to me, right? And so I feel like, okay, we're a month, you know, we're probably a month plus right after the season has started. And I still don't know if I'm getting a concession voucher or not. Right, and I'm, I don't want to make you sound like you're back lecturing in the students, but that's got to be something that's – when you talk about building the culture, and David Griffin has talked a lot about that. I mean, he's talked a lot. I don't know how much he's communicated. Is that just a lack of communication that might speak to the, 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 the culture that's not really earning the goodwill from the fans and season ticket holders? And it goes both ways, both to the fans on their you know broken promises for that kind of stuff and also the way he's communicated stuff that's going on with his team. Is that literally maybe the core component of part of building a culture through marketing or elsewhere is just communicating these sorts of things? You know, I think so, and it's, you know, I, I, you know, I, I love sports, right? Obviously, I teach marketing for a living, and, you know, and I, I don't mean to invalidate my, you know, my profession, right? But a lot of marketing really comes down to just basic common sense things, basic communication, right? And just simply making customers, you know, feel valued, right? And uh, things like not communicating, you know, okay, well, here's our best player. Here's how long he's going to be out. You know, this is what you can expect from the team. Um, I, you know, I don't think a lot of us are unrealistic in our, you know, our, our take on where the team is right now. I don't think too many of us thought we'd be challenging for a championship, right? But, um, you know, I think uh, a, a season where you see your young guys grow, right, where, you know, we sort of build around Zion, we build around BI, um, you know, hopefully make the playoffs, right, but at least be challenging for the playoffs. I think that was a reasonable assumption. And, you know, given the lack of communication from the team, uh, it really feels like a bit of a bait and switch in terms of, you know, we were told Zion, you know, would, would be ready for the start of the season. And then we, we heard, okay, well, it might be a couple of weeks, right? Now it just feels like an, it, it's an indefinite thing. You know, we're, what, 11, 12 games into the season. Um, but if you get back to just sort of basic marketing principles, I think communicating with your customers, right? And, you know, if your customers... Uh, are, are not receiving what they thought they'd be receiving, you know, at, at least, you know, apologize, right? At least give them a reason to, you know, expect better treatment in the future. And, and what I see from the team is a whole lot of silence. Right. And that, that radio silence is, you know, silence is deafening sometimes. It says more, it speaks louder than words. So, uh, and maybe all them cliches fit. 
But not to put you on the spot, what could you do for this team? Not not you personally, but what could this team yeah. do to help themselves out and start turning this around? Or is it really going to take something drastic? And, and now we've got all this stuff about Griffith coming out, a lot of stuff being spilled. Do you think it's going to take maybe a change at the top to get the fans where they'll at least listen again, give them a chance again? You know, this is the tough thing with sports marketing, um, and I've you know. <laughs> You know, I've, I've 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 had discussions in you know various sports, right, to various different people, uh, NHL, hockey, NFL, football, etc. You know, obviously the simplest fix is always your one one loss record, right? And so I think for any sport, um, you know, if you're winning, right, it's not hard to kind of keep fans engaged. Okay, so clearly we're not there. Clearly we're struggling. Um, I, I think then, you know, to me, you you need to sell hope to the fans, right? And so, okay, we're not winning, but, you know, to me, your fan base needs to see sort of a path, you know, to, 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 to future success. I don't feel like that is really being communicated to this fan base. And I think uh, my reasoning for thinking this might be a little bit long-winded, but, you know, when I look at this franchise, right, it's only been here about, uh, what, 20, 21 years, something like that. Um, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, if you sort of look through the history of the team, right, there hasn't been a sustained, any sort of uh, sustained uh, history of uh, success. Um, I think you, you know, you had Chris Paul, right? He clearly was, you know, our, our, our best player back in the day. Um, he wanted out, right? And he sort of made it clear he wanted to be in Los Angeles. Um, so I think the fan base experienced that. And then, of course, you had Anthony Davis come along, uh, was here. You know, I might have this wrong, but about eight years, you know, somewhere in that range. You know, he made it clear he wanted out and wanted to be in Los Angeles, right? And so, it, it, you know, to me it feels like, okay, so the fan base has kind of seen this trajectory, right, over the last sort of 15, 20 years. Okay, so now along comes Zion, right? Again, the new face of the franchise. My take is there's this sense of it's only a matter of time, before Zion does the same thing and says, okay, I want to be in Los Angeles. You know, I want to be in Chicago. I want to be in New York. So I wonder if the fan base doesn't sort of have that in the back of their mind where, you know, we, we've seen this before. And so, yeah, okay, you know, we've got these great players, Zion, VI, et cetera. But, like, we, we feel like it's only a matter of time before these guys uh, – do what you know their predecessors did and say I want out. So in that sense, it, it you know I don't I don't want to say it feels like a development team. Well, I guess I just did right, but um, <laughs> you know if if you communicate nothing to me about Zion's you know either love of the team, love of New Orleans, willingness to stay here, you know willingness to resign, you know when his rookie contract comes up. Uh, at least me, you know, I think I've got in the back of my mind where I'm not, I'm not certain he's going to stick around. Therefore, I'm not certain, you know, we're, we're ever really going to build the team that Griff is looking to build. And, um, and so I don't know. I don't know if changes in the top. I think, you know, is it all Griff's fault? Is it not? Obviously, that's, you know, sort of above my pay grade. But um, I think making a change can at least sell hope to the fan base, right? And, um, you know, if you're, if you're losing year over year over year, sometimes change, you know, at least engages your fans a little bit and, and lets them know that the team, you know, acknowledges what's going on and perhaps, you know, is, is charting a different path. Right. I mean, you've had people that were happy just to hear Stan Van Gundy was hired. And, I mean, look at how fast that soured. You can sell the hope all you want. But eventually, to me, you need continuity, and that's why I believe, one, I'll say, like, he's on the hot seat. This organization, this ownership group is not going to want to put up with being the laughing stock of the league in any way, especially if it's someone just acting like whatever she disagrees with, the ownership disagrees with, Dennis disagrees with. If it's something like that, 
you'd have to change it. But the continuity, I would like to see Trajan and Swin Cash just bumped up. What would that do for you as a fan? Would that do uh, give that hope, or would you need new faces all the way around? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, those are my exact thoughts, and I'm not, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm not just saying that, you know, to to, to agree with you, right? But I, I, I kind of thought the same thing. I actually, you know, three years ago was was clearly in the camp of wanting Griff here. I thought it was a home run hire. You know, I thought, okay, great. You know, this will this will give legitimacy to the franchise. Uh, but you know, sports is a performance based business, uh, and ultimately, your one loss record is how anyone's going to be judged. And um, I can't escape the, the thought that we're going in the wrong direction. And, and you know, I understand, and obviously, I'm on, on Twitter quite a bit as you are, right? That. Um, you know, a lot of folks are saying, yeah, okay, you don't have Zion, you don't have BI, of course you're not winning. That, you know, I get that, right? I don't expect to win without those guys. But I do expect him to at least be putting together, you know, a, a decent bench, right? I think the, the talk last year was about how we need shooting, right? If you've got this dominant inside player in Zion, you need to, you know, sort of surround him with three point shooters. I look at who we have and I just don't see that, right? I don't see that we've sort of, we've got enough shooting on the bench. Uh, and I think as soon as, you know, as soon as we lost Zion and B.I., right, it became obvious that we really struggled to score. And so I, I'm, I've definitely soured on Griff myself. Um, I, I would like to keep, you know, sort of keep it in-house, so to speak. I think Swing Cash, um, you know, I think Trajan Langdon are, have sort of earned, you know, the, the, the right to, you know, to sort of move up. Um, I have always wondered, and I'm sure there's some insiders who know more than I do, uh, but perhaps all the fans wonder, but I don't quite know who's in charge of, you know, for example, the draft, uh, who's in charge of uh, kind of pro personnel moves. I've never quite understood the role that Griff plays versus what Trajan does, right, versus what Swin does. Um, and uh, I, so, therefore, it's kind of hard for me to evaluate exactly, you know, what it would mean if we moved up Trajan and Swin, but... Um, I, I I don't get the sense that that would not be, you know, appreciated by the fan base. Right. Uh, to my knowledge, what it is is Trajan got a little bit of an expanded role, more of a bigger plate, more on his plate than he had in Brooklyn. He gets to handle most of the European scouting. He does a lot of the, uh, you know, just scouting in general, both college pros looking at that. Swing Cash is more of an in-house development player, personnel, professional development uh, uh, leader. And Griffin is kind of – I mean, honestly, I don't know. I, I would say just kind of the, the figurehead, the emperor behind the sheet. I don't, I, I don't really know what metaphor to throw out there. I know he he makes the yeah. final decision for the most part, but I can't say that he he tackles one area or another. He kind of lets them do what they they do, uh, takes that information, and then uh, by his own words, they all get together as a group. Everyone has a voice. They talk it out. They they kangaroo court it, and they come up with the uh, what they think is the best best option for going forward for this program uh, it hasn't worked out because i don't think even if you're missing zion and bi graham and jonas they, they they could win some games if you gave them just halfway decent support staff maybe they're not going to win many maybe it's only 28 to 30 something in a season but that's where the pelicans have been at the last few years anyways 31 32 33 wins once you get past them and josh hart garrett temple is a veteran but I mean, him and Sadoransky, there's a reason they were basically getting run off the court. Kyra Lewis Jr. showed me almost nothing to this point that makes me believe he could ever step into a role or fit this team. And then when you get to him, Jackson, and all these rookies we have, it's going to be hard to package them together to bring in a star. So, yeah, you're minus your two stars, but the same way that 
some of those COVID excuses just didn't quite fly from the team's responses. Yeah, everybody had to deal with COVID. Everybody had different restrictions depending on the city. But there was a lot of other moves that could have been made, not getting fleeced in the Alonzo trade, stuff like that to build a better roster. So if you were missing your stars, it didn't get this bad this quick. Yeah, you know, I was thinking sports, right? It's not about making one good move. It's about stringing together a series of good moves, right? And, you know, and again, obviously, this is just my personal take. It feels like, okay, we'll make one good trade, and then we'll make one poor trade, you know. And you know, that that doesn't really get you anywhere. You just kind of spin your wheels, right? You need to string together five, six, seven, you know, sort of good moves. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I, I, I can't imagine anybody thinks the Chicago trade worked out well. Um, I, you know, we've seen pretty much nothing but from from Zadaransky. Um, you know, like Temple. I mean, he's a, he's a good veteran, right? He's a good bench guy. He's a, a local New Orleans guy, but he should be your 11th or 12th guy on your bench, right? He should not be, you know, <laughs> in the rotation in the starting lineup. I guess he's been the past couple of games, right? And um, uh, you know, Zadaransky. I don't know how that guy commands a 10 million dollar salary. Um, you know, again, I would have him towards the end of my bench. Um, I think you're right. The, the the guys we've drafted over the last couple of years, um, at least, you know, again, we've only seen right 10, 12 games, but they, they look like they've regressed. I think Ty, uh, Kyra, I think Jackson, you know, I think Nikhil uh, probably look worse this year than they did last year. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's just the coaching change. I don't know what the reasoning for that is. Uh, but it, it certainly doesn't look like our bench is, is getting better at all. I think clearly it's a worse bench than it was, you know, a year, uh, really two years uh, ago. I think the bench was much stronger. Right, and look at the mixed messages these these young players, starting with Zion's class and going through even up to Herb and Trey Murphy. Think of how many different voices they've had. Because you've got a Gentry, Stan Van Gundy, Willie Green yeah. now. But when Gentry was here, yeah, Gentry got an extension that – it was only for a year, but that was just kind of pain, so he wasn't a lame coach. Griffin was trying to give him answers to test. Same thing for Stan Van Gundy. He was trying to dictate, hey, play Nikhil more than maybe Bledsoe. Which, yeah, I think the Pelicans more and more, it's looking like they lost the Drew trade too. So you might have won the AD trade, but you've lost the two next big ones. And that really sours the first one. So it just keeps going down the list. And then you get to coaching. Griffin didn't get to pick his coach in Cleveland. LeBron picked Ty Lue, basically. Uh, he wanted to bring Ty Lue here. Ty Lue didn't come. He wanted to bring in Jacques Vaughn. If you remember, Jacques Vaughn turned it down and said for family reasons he's just going to stay in Brooklyn. Then you get Gentry, one of the most beloved people in the NBA, getting into it with Griffin. Stan Van Gundy was beloved on TV. He's back to being beloved on TV, but him and Griffin just rubbed each other the wrong way. And Stan Van Gundy rubbed the players the wrong way as far as everything coming out of the reporting. So... Griffin might not have the respect and clout that he thought he had in other front office circles and coaching circles. And Trajan and Swin Cash, I think, even if they don't have that clout, they don't have any negative stuff. They can start with a blank slate here. I think so. You know, I'm in agreement with that. You know, and, uh, you know, obviously I'll uh, bring in a little bit of, you know, what I do for a living. But, I, you know, I think we're losing the PR game here for sure, right? I think Griffin has not done much to sort of help his reputation, right? Um, if there is anything, you know, that he's doing correctly, um, I don't think, you know, the, I think the national media is having a field day, you know, and I think the, the local media really as of late is as well. And I don't see him really coming out and saying anything that's terribly defensible. Um, so I think in that sense, right, that just creates, you know, a bit more of a sense of hopelessness. 
uh, on the part of the fans, right? And especially, you know, those of us who have uh, season tickets, right? So we're, you know, we're really engaged in this franchise. You know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's not cheap to have season tickets, right? And um, uh, I, I don't know. I think we, we, we don't we don't play the PR game well. I think uh, the, you know, the, the, the national press, you know, for, for whatever reason, loves to, you know, kind of hammer the small market teams, you know, I think in particular New Orleans, right, seems to, you know, be, be a target always, right, for the national uh, media, um, you know, and, and in part because of our history, I think, you know, we haven't won over the last 20 years consistently, right, uh, and then, you know, we've had sort of these different face of the franchise players who went elsewhere and sort of saw success, you know, after leaving, right, and I guess, right, two years in a row, uh, we lost a player who went on to win a, a championship elsewhere. So I think that just kind of adds fuel to the fire. Um, and I don't think Griffin has really done anything to, to, to counteract that, right? And, you know, I agree with you, right? I mean, we've got three coaches in three years. Uh, we, we really are kind of shuffling the deck, you know, each year and making lots of moves. Uh, but, you know, the moves don't really seem to be leading us anywhere in particular other than we're just a young you know, a young team with a bunch of guys who perhaps aren't showing, you know, that they're going to develop into kind of top-level NBA, you know, players other than, I, I suppose, Zion, right, would be the uh, exception there. So, uh, um, I don't know. I don't know what to believe, right, in terms of where this where this team is going. And, you know, perhaps it is, you know, if, if only for PR reasons, perhaps making, you know, move at the top at least kind of alleviate some of that, uh, at least in the short term. Right. Some of it, to, in the fans and media perspective, is kind of like Pavlov's dogs. You see one thing, oh, an injured star in New Orleans. You're already starting to t- tend towards, you know, well, this next thing's coming, this next thing's coming. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, so to speak. I, I agree with that. And, you know, I've always felt that the the, the, the Pels could actually do a little bit more, right, to, uh, to, to, to play the media game, to play the PR game, right, to play the social media game. Um, you know, you're on Twitter a lot. I'm on Twitter a lot, right? And you know, it, it, it's a constant barrage of uh, negative articles about the Pelicans, right? The Zion is too heavy articles, the, you know. And if if that's true, if he's just you know he's way too heavy and he can't play because of his weight, um, all right, that's one thing, right? But if it's that if that's not true, then to me, I'd like to see the Pels you know, kind of kind of go on the offensive and be a little bit more aggressive, right, and as an organization, you know, come out and counteract some of that stuff because I think the fan base, you know, if the Pels say nothing, then the fan base just assumes that the national stories are correct, right? And maybe they are correct, right? I, I have no reason to not think that because the Pelicans have, haven't really said anything otherwise. Um, I, I really think now's the time for Griff to speak up, you know, or at least somebody within the organization, you know, to kind of speak up and to let folks know that there, you know, there is some path forward here because I think, you know, again, as a, as a season ticket holder, um, it, you know, it's hard for me to think that, you know, keeping tickets the next two, three, four, five years, you know, are, are, are going to be worth it. I mean, it, it, you know, right now it just feels like a couple more years of Zion's rookie contract and then, you know, uh, he probably leaves, you know, kind of based on what I've heard uh, or, or, or what I haven't heard right from the team. Right. And let's, uh, we're getting on the 30 minute mark. I don't want to keep you up uh, too much on this. And it's hard to evaluate a one in 11 team. It's about to be one in 12 when they play Brooklyn more than likely. It, it, it's hard to really get positive and evaluate them in the right light. But looking at the media, you got national media, local media. I've got my thoughts on it. I don't know how people viewed me if I was local or national because Forbes was a national brand, but I was only here in New Orleans. That's all I worried about. But you've got, to me, being on the inside looking out in a little bit, 
you've got the national media that should matter, the local media that has to kind of mind its manners, and then you get so many of these blog boys that just get so much attention, and they'll talk about his weight and whatnot. And even going back to last summer, that BI, we tracked it. They, I think Bleacher Report had 67 different articles by 62 different writers. They all link back to the same article from cleveland.com it's all about bi and as great as chris fedor is in cleveland writing for them he did not have two months worth of bi material and people paid way too much attention to stuff that didn't matter and it just kind of again fed in that self-perpetuating cycle and, and it was listening to outside noises that really had no insight into this team they couldn't pick out magazine street from the Mariners. you know what i mean no, I think that's it, right? And I think the national, you know, press has created a narrative, whoever it was, right? And then everyone just kind of buys into it, right? And this thing just sort of grows, right? It's almost like the game of telephone. You know, somebody says one thing, the next person exaggerates it, the next person exaggerates it. And to me, I think the Pels need to be heading some of that stuff off if it's untrue, right? Um, I, I think, as I recall, right, there were a lot of B.I. is unhappy stories, and I was not aware of that down here. You know, everything I heard was B.I., you know, was not a big city person. And, you know, he kind of liked it, right? The, he could be a little bit more anonymous, you know, in a place like uh, a place like New Orleans. Uh, and sure enough, right, he signed that he signed the max deal extension here. Uh, I, you know, and I think all this stuff that I'm hearing about Zion, about how he's, you know, 317 pounds and all that. Um, maybe he is right. I have no idea if that's true or not. But if it's if it's not true, then to me the team needs to do more to to counteract that. And, and you know, I'm I'm not hearing it, and so I think the fan base then just assumes it to be true, right? Because that's what everyone is saying. Right, and then you get these conversations like, "Well, we should have picked Ja over Zion or whatnot," and that that could be the case. If Zion said he did not want to come to New Orleans, you could have passed on Zion and picked Ja, even if Memphis didn't want to trade. Because, I mean, what's the point in trading there if they know that Zion didn't want to be here and they're going to get him anyway? There's no point in trading. But you could then. Zion's not your player. You throw him under the bus and say he didn't want to be in New Orleans. We want people who want to be in New Orleans. John Morant was that guy, and that's why we picked him over Zion. You could have made that call and not been the, the, the bad guy in that story. Zion would have been the bad guy in that story. But, again, this team has communicated and played it. It seems like they just played their cards wrong. They even had winning cards at some point, and they still managed to lose the hand. I think so. I mean, I've always felt like, you know, again, I'm, I'm maybe, you know, kind of combining right my fandom, you know, with my profession a bit. But I've always felt like there was a winning PR move, a quite a really simple one that could be played, which would be, you know, Zion come out and say, hey, I love it in New Orleans. This is where I want to be, right? And that we've never heard that for sure right creates the assumption that he doesn't want to be here you know uh maybe for about 10 seconds during media day he said something like no you know no i like it here but really i mean he really hasn't ever really come out and said he enjoys playing here is you know he i guess his family now lives in uh garden district as far as i know um you know are they happy in garden district are they looking to go elsewhere right we've never heard anything and so i think immediately the fan base would be at ease you know i think the season ticket holding base would be at ease if he said hey i want to be here i want to win a championship in new orleans um i think if he said that i would i would re-up my season tickets right now um well i mean they did but, go to city hall and get that extension that expansion so they could add on to a house in the garden district and that ain't no yeah. easy task yeah you know 
I was reading all about that, and that to me, right, seemed like you no. Know, I think these guys actually like living here, right? And um, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly where he's from. I think it's what somewhere in uh, South, South Carolina. Carolina, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. He went to school in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, to me, it doesn't seem like as a market it would be a terrible fit, you know, for him and his family. But uh, you know, obviously, I don't. <laughs> obviously, I don't know, right? What exactly what they would be looking for? But uh, we, we've heard nothing, right? We've heard nothing. You know, nothing about this from the team. Right, but he never went on a big prep school tour. You know, he, he stayed right there and played with his high school. He didn't didn't take that jump to that some do. Uh, but I'll give you two, I guess, metaphors. One, uh, to jump back to B.I. real quick, about him being unhappy. I look at what B.I. does in this city and compare it to Anthony Davis, and that tells me everything I need to know. I don't need to talk to anybody else. Anthony Davis, I've heard by more than one person and talked to some of the people that was there. If he had a delivery driver come up, he would tell him to wait at the gate. You know, he couldn't even come up to the house, come up to drive, nothing. Wasn't that personable. Brandon Ingram will walk down Canal Street and buy a hundred do-rags from the, old, from the same place everybody else in New Orleans buys them from. So you don't do that unless you're happy and comfortable in the city. He could order that shit off Amazon, you know what I mean? But he goes down and gets in with the people, and that's all I care about for Brandon Ingram. He's just like AK, Kamara riding his little bike around the CBD. That tells me all I need to know. I'm fine with Brandon Ingram. He does not worry me at all. And the other part was as a team, you were talking about being a punching bag. It's 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 boxing. You're a punching bag for a reason as an organization so often for a reason. And the number one rule of boxing is protect yourself at all times. The Pelicans at least got to get their hands up right now or it's going to look like it's a standing eight count. That's what I feel. And I actually, I heard the same thing about B.I., right? I heard he goes in his little local restaurants, you know, and... And, you know, feels real comfortable. Everybody knows him, you know, says hi to everyone. Uh, I actually heard the same about Kamara, right? But, um, I, I, you know, from living here, right, we, we, we definitely have this us versus everyone mentality. And, uh, you know, I would like to hear a little bit of that from the team, right? I think the national press doesn't know what New Orleans is, right? They've never lived here. They don't They don't know, you know, the, the, the reasons why we all live here, right? And they just kind of take shots at us and, you know, just sort of assume, right, that, you know, everybody wants to live in Los Angeles and, you know, New York and Chicago, which clearly isn't the case. Um, and I'd like to see the team, you know, yeah, like you said, don't don't keep taking punches. Defend yourself a little bit, right? Um, you know, I, I, I think there are certain guys who fit quite well into this market. Perhaps B.I. is one of those guys. Uh, and like I said, I don't know if Zion's one of those guys or not. I mean, and if he is, then I think the team needs to speak up, right? I think, you know, something needs to be said. Right, and we've seen the media not like certain cities. Like, they didn't want to go to the finals to Milwaukee because it was going to be cold and the food. You know, what? we've seen people trash from ESPN trash other cities saying they were rooting for other finals destinations because they love Atlanta and Miami and L.A. and all this. In New Orleans, I have heard, and this is where I think some of the stadium stuff comes from, especially on the Pelicans' end, is people grumbling about how difficult it is to get to the media spots or around around the arenas. The Superdome renovation, I've heard from NFL Network guys sitting in the press box, and I hope I ain't going out of my lane here and saying some shit that's going to get me in trouble. But they were, they were just grumbling about it's difficult to get up and around. That first Saints game in the Superdome back, the elevators and escalators went out, so we had to go down some corridors. You had people leaving the press box, and instead of taking the press elevator, just taking the stairs all the way down from the very top of the Superdome. 
and that's just little 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 things that build up in the national media when they go to other stadiums. They share those stories. Same for the yeah. uh, Smoothie King Center. Somebody from Fox Sports One arguing about just the sight lines or just that how it felt. It felt cheap. I think was the uh, the comment. And my thought there was, hell, why not build it cheaper? If a hurricane comes, what what you want to do? Like, we're not going to build that palace that Ballmer's going to build for the Clippers because he's building that all with his own money. And I don't want to hear the national media trashing our stadiums here in a couple years when inevitably it comes up about the Superdome renovations going overrun on cost or the Smoothie King Center maybe getting replaced with that other arena they they, they published in NOLA.com a few weeks ago. So that's me on the media. I don't know how everybody else viewed me or the other local media. There's some things I think they could do better, but there's also a lot of these national media guys. Man, y'all just need to ignore them because they obviously don't know what they're talking about. No, I'm with you. I think you know. Again, I can only speak for myself, but uh, you know, my uh, you know, I do have a couple of you know very good close friends, right, who are who are really big into the Pelicans, and you know, we we tend to trust our, our local guys, right, and uh, you know, they 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 kind of speak the same language as us, right? They know, you know, they've got they know the pulse of the city, right, and um, you know, the the national guys, I always take it with a grain of salt when they you know report on something supposedly going on in New Orleans. Uh, because, you know, I, I just feel like they don't live here, right? They're, you know, uh, not necessarily going to say something nice about the market. And, uh, um, you know, I, you know <laughs> actually on my Twitter feed, right, I remember, uh, I, I think I, I forwarded a post of a guy up in Connecticut who was, you know, just kind of bashing Zion and saying he had poor training habits. And, you know, I was like, how do you know, right? You're, you're in Connecticut. You've never been down here. Like, who, you know, have you watched him train? I don't think you have. Um, but I can see, I can see what you're saying, right? Where the, you know, some of the story is they come here, you know, just for a single game or two and they don't have a good experience in New Orleans. And that kind of propagates, you know, to, to this larger narrative of, you know, the whole organization is no good. The team needs to move, right? The players, the players need to leave. Um, I actually kind of, you know, I was kind of happy, right? That, uh, Milwaukee won the championship last year because it just it felt to me like it legitimized you know the, the fact that you could win in a small market right which I absolutely believe in in basketball you know to me you, you know I think you need those kind of two big stars and I don't see any reason why you can't have two big stars in a in a small market city um, to me you just have to find the right two guys right who want to be there. Uh, and again, not want to be in these kind of big mega markets. And uh, I see that as a possibility. Maybe I'm overly optimistic, but, you know, it's kind of, that is what I see. Right. And Giannis talked about building that from the core. And I, th- I don't even know if they've got two big stars. They've got Giannis, and then they've got two solid B guys in Chris Middleton and Drew. I mean, that, that to me is instead of chasing the LeBron AD where you've got two alphas like that, Pick your one guy if you're a small market team, and just make sure to support him as best you can. And then it they'll they'll pull a Giannis. They'll feel that loyalty and devotion to the to the franchise, and it'll pay off when they sign a five year max deal and go get that championship. Yeah, I mean, I love that, and maybe it's just kind of my own, you know, my, my own thought process. I, process. I love, you know, how, how loyal Giannis was to the organization. Uh, and he said, you know, you, you took a chance on me, you brought me in, you developed me, and, uh, you know, he, he wanted to stay there, right? He wanted to win for that market. And when it actually happened, I, I you know, I, I, I was happy. I was, you know, personally happy to see, you know, what I would call uh, a smaller market team, right, in Milwaukee uh, win, win a championship. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see them. It's great to see Drew win a championship. Drew's one of the 
nicest, most humble, down-to-earth people I've ever seen. I mean, he would go to restaurants in New Orleans and, you know, some big stars can big time and people would be like, oh, man, just go ahead, go ahead. Not Drew would actually tell you, go ahead, order your food. I got you too. I'm going to pay for it, but I'm not skipping the line on you. He was here first and that's just the kind of person he was. Hopefully, I, I feel Ingram's the same way. Looking at this team, I feel Josh Hart's the same way. He's going to look at the way he plays. He's going to break you back for you. He's going to really go above and beyond and just help everybody out. And hopefully once Zion's on the court, he shows that leadership too. Yeah, I, I love that we re-signed Josh Hart. I think uh, the, you know, I had read a lot that how he couldn't wait to get out of here. And then sure enough, right, that was not not the case. And so I'm, I'm really glad we re-signed him just, you know, because he, he plays hard every night, you know. And uh, obviously maybe a little too hard last night, but, uh, he, you know, he gives you everything he has every time he's on the court. And, you know, I think any team needs needs a guy like that. Right, I don't know where you read that at. I ain't going to say Josh Hart's my guy, my source or whatever, but y'all can go back. I, that was one of the first things I did was link up with him to write about his podcast and get the shout-out when he did that podcast with Lonzo and all that. Like, uh, Josh Josh did not want out of New Orleans. He wanted he, he wanted his money. Like, don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Josh wanted his he money. He deserved his money. He did, I mean, as I see it. I'm ready to guarantee the second year right now. I mean – that wouldn't help for trade purposes, but I don't really want to see Josh Hart traded out of this this team. No, I think we need him. He's such a good rebounder. You know, he's a good defender. Um, you know, he's a glue guy, right? He's a guy I think that every team needs. You know, right? He fits the team and in, in the city in the same way that we love. The same reason we love Kenrich Williams. Same reason we love Frank Jackson. Josh Hart has that same grit and that same talent. Well, uh, he's got the grit and all that, but he's got a little bit better talent. He's got more talent to me. And why not keep that guy? Yeah, I mean, this is where, you know, if I go back to what I was talking about earlier, right, where, you know, our moves are a little bit up and they're a little bit down, right? And so, you know, it's great bringing Hart back, you know. I'll assume that Lonzo didn't want to be here, you know, that's, you know, trying to read between the lines, you know, it just seemed like he was, you know, looking to get out of here, which is completely fine, you know, but um, obviously we didn't get the return back from him that I think any fan, you know, wanted to see. Um you know, I guess it came out after the fact, right? Drew wanted, you know, asked for a trade, and uh, we, you know, and I understand that. Uh, but again, I don't think we got enough back, you know, for 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 Holiday in that trade, uh, and I'm not sure we really managed those pieces very well either. Um, but at least, you know, a guy like Josh Hart, I think, fits really well. Um, I'd like to see, you know, maybe two or three more Josh Hart's on the bench, but uh, you know, uh, maybe in the future. Right, and you talked about it when we were shaping up the articles. I was asking you quotes. You talked about the family-friendly atmosphere and building the devotion and getting that. That part of that is keeping a guy like Josh around. You can't turn over the whole roster every other year. Where if you look three years down the line, there's nobody left. So how did you really connect and relate and grow with a team? Why not keep that guy around just because you know the fans will come? Just because there's even if they hate the Pelicans, they'll love Josh hard enough. They're still gonna get there and cheer for him. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, from from the team three years ago, uh, I'm not sure we have anyone left. No, Zion is the longest tenured Pelican. Yeah. So it's just it's a completely different team. Um, I do think that makes it tough on the fan base too, because you can't sort of grow that you know relationship with any one player, right? Or you know, I, I to me, I think it's a good thing, even if it's a bench player, right? But a guy who sticks around for ten years you know, becomes a part of the community, you know, does sort of positive PR work. Um, you know, I'd like I'd like to see us have that. I don't know what that, you know, who that player would be, maybe Josh Hart. 
Right. Looking back at the PR and marketing, and we're, we're we're going on 45 minutes now, but that's part of it. If you have these fan meet and greets that they 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 had to shut down, whether it's due to COVID or the the, the team just not doing it, I don't I can't make any assumptions there. But it's hard to build again that face to face with the fans and the Pelicans together if 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 it's always a new player that you're meeting. I mean, right now you've got Josh Hart, not to stick on him, but Rail Ariel. She she was also in the the article that you gave quotes for, but she was also at Josh Hart's podcast over at the Republic. Got the pictures with him. She got pictures with Trajan Langdon. The, those guys, they can see that fan, whoever it may be, and relate and know that they, they, they have their back. They're here more than once. And same to the fan. How much does that make a fan feel good when the, the player's walking through the tunnel, they look up, and they don't even have to do nothing, but they already know your name. Hey, Rail, what's up? You, yeah. that, that's worth the ticket. That's the value you're talking about as a season ticket holder and feeling loved. That does way more than a beer garden or concession card to me. I think so. I mean, you know, just that connection, right? Uh, and even the connection with other fans. Uh, I, I think that's something we struggled with. You know, the um, I, I'm bouncing around topics a bit, but um, last there were two years ago, I guess it was uh, last year, right? We had the, um, you know, I guess the the. Uh, seating restrictions and people got moved around from their normal seats right due to covid uh but a couple of years ago the guy who had the season tickets in front of me showed up to the very first game and then he sold his tickets for every other game <laughs> and I, I saw him listed online really literally for every single game uh the team claimed that that was something they didn't want and that they were trying to crack down on um, but, you know, I don't know if that, you know, if they effectively were able to do so still now, right? It feels like that's what a lot of the season ticket holders are doing. But to me, I think you want that relationship with each other, you know, the other fans, right? Meaning if I come to my seat, there's some folks in my section who have had their same seats, right? Year after year after year, I know them, I say hello, we've developed some camaraderie, you know, same thing with the players, right? You've, you know, it's the same players have been there year after year after year. Um, and then I do believe, right, that that connection with the players and the things like the fan meet and greets, to me, these are crucial, right, for, for building the fan base. Um, I personally uh, haven't been to any of the meet and greets. I don't know if that's because, you know, I assume, you know, we I was invited and I just wasn't able to make it. But um, I, I honestly don't remember, you know, ever having the opportunity to meet any of the players. And uh, it would help. It would help engage me even more with the team. I know it would. Yeah, and just just getting that that moment, that that feeling like you're valued. That that comes down to a lot of it, I think. Um, not sure where my mind just went. I just had a brain fart of epic proportions. I have to delete that one out. But uh, <laughs> no just to wrap it up again, I don't want to take a a full hour of your time. I, I, guys, appreciate it. Y'all can go check it out. He's Mark Ratchford. He's on Twitter. You can you can find him. Lots of good insights on the marketing and Pelicans. But yeah, could you just give us one wrap up on on how you feel going into this weekend? How, what what's this team done? Where where do we sit an hour into it thinking about it on how this team's going to get you back in the building for next season? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I've thought yeah, I've thought a lot about that. I think you know, I, I at this point, you know, given what we've seen so far this year, I'm a pretty fatalistic outlook, right, for what's going to go on for the rest of the season. You know, I. I don't see any scenario where we make the playoffs. No, um, no. You know, I think there's a, a greater probability that we're, you know, looking at, you know, 
you know, a high lottery pick, right? And um, I would like to see the team at least embrace the fans. Okay, if we can't win on the court, you know, I'd like the team do a little bit more, right, to, to engage, uh, in particular the season ticket holders, right, but I would say the fan base in general. Um, you know, I don't know what that might be. Maybe some meet and greets, right? Maybe some, you know, some opportunities right away from the games, whatever that would be. Um, more effort to just sort of make us engaged with the team. Um, I, you know, we all want us to win, right? I think, uh, you know, um, I don't, I think the, the fan base, we're, we're patient, we're reasonable. I mean, you know, it's, it's really hard to win a championship. And so I don't, I don't expect miracles, right? But, but I do expect the team to look like they're, you know, at least moving in that direction, in a positive direction. And that's not what I see, quite honestly. Uh, so I don't know. I've got a kind of a wait and see attitude. I hope, I hope, you know, they, they sort of ramp up their marketing efforts, uh, you know, as I said, on, and, and try and engage the season ticket holders a little bit more. Um, you know, I'll, I'll keep going to games, uh, you know, if, if only because it's a pleasure for me to watch, you know, the greatest athletes, you know, <laughs> on the planet, you know, put, you know, apply their trade for a couple of hours. So I, that alone, you know, will, will get me into the arena. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is tough, right? It's tough on the fan base to be, you know, dead last in the league and not really see a path to, you know, to a better future. So, uh, Right, and thinking about that that season ticket holder that showed up for the first game and sold the rest, that is something that I know the team knows is out there. They don't know how much they could stop it on the legality. You know, if you bought a season ticket and you want to sell your Lakers game ticket and pay for the rest of the year, or this weekend, the the Brooklyn game, or Ja Morant, when those big stars come in, you can make good money as a season ticket holder by not going to the game and giving them up most years. This year, I don't know if the value is there because – the value proposition is there because there's just so many empty seats. The market is flooded. There are dollar tickets for every game, three dollar tickets for the Nets game already. So it, that's going to be a, that's going to be a tough sell. Hopefully the Pelicans can pull it off and, and really get bought into this season, get it some wins. I don't know if they'll win another one in November, but that that's not really what this team's going to be about the rest of the season anyway. So. Mark, again, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the time, the insight. If you want to, throw the people out where they can find you on, on Twitter. If any of your work you want to throw out, I don't know if you're doing those kind of lectures and got the papers up, but just if you if you want to throw your connections out there, go ahead. No, I mean, you know, I'm mostly, actually most of my tweets on Twitter are probably about the Pelicans and then uh, kind of various, you know, business-related topics. Uh, so it's, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm at mrach one uh, on Twitter, uh, and again, my name is Mark Ratchford. Uh, uh, I, I'm a, a marketing professor at Tulane uh, in the business school at Tulane, and uh, um, yeah, no, that's that's as much as I want to plug myself. It was uh, you know a pleasure to chat with you, right? Uh, and you know, talking sports, talking sports marketing are, are definitely you know sort of my passions, and so uh, I had a lot of fun chatting about the Pels. Uh, yeah, well, you're always welcome back to the nest. I'll try and catch up with you Friday before the game, during the game, somewhere around there. I'll be floating around the arena. I'm finally back in with the press pass. Y'all, this has been Protect the Nest Podcast. I appreciate y'all. You can find us wherever. Give us a five-star review and come on back because we're going to be talking a lot more Pelicans. Bang.